Hello and welcome to Surrendering Average. I'm your host, Joel Mahe. Today's episode is called Emotional Addiction, How to Avoid Old Patterns. An emotional addiction is very similar and works in the same manner as any other type of addiction. And in today's show, I'll use my personal examples to show how I was addicted to certain types of emotions, as well as a five-step system on how to break your emotional addiction. So please, focus in and be present as you begin to surrender your average life. Hello and welcome everybody. I hope everyone's having a fantastic day today. Myself, it was kind of a lay, lay lower than normal weekend, which was nice because we've been on the go so much recently in the summer months. And it was kind of nice just to hang out, still saw some friends and was active, got some workouts in, played some pickleball, um, but kind of laid low for the most part. And it was, it was really nice. And today's episode is called Emotional Addiction, How to Avoid Old Patterns. And as many of these episodes are done, uh, it's usually something that relates to my life as well because I feel if I can be relatable, I'm a pretty normal guy and I feel like I go through the same things that most people go through. And I feel like recently I've been in this almost relapse of an emotional addiction. And I'll exp explain my story throughout the episode but what is a relapse? A relapse could be um, where you fall back into a former state or um, where, when you revert back to something you were hooked on. So this could be drugs, thoughts, actions, habits. Uh, you could relapse in any of those things. And so I, I feel like I'm going through a relapse of sorts with um, types of emotions that are leading to my actions. And I'll share my story. But I'll start with explaining that emotions play a massive role in our life and they affect our productivity, our drive, our ambition, our self-care, our regard to our future self. And it really has a big impact on relationships and creating healthy relationships. Um, and emotions can be dangerous because they've evolved with our primitive instincts and can bypass our logic and reasoning potentially disregarding any consequences. So if you develop an emotional addiction, you in a sense become hooked to a feeling, uh, to feeling a familiar way, or you find yourself responding to powerful innate emotions, which might not serve you because those powerful emotions that tend to take over your body usually are anger, frustration, uh, bitterness, grumpy, like those powerful emotions that kind of just take us over and we almost lose our sense of consciousness when we get wrapped up into those states. And it's just this auto-programming um, influx of, of negative emotions. And during this time, our brain releases chemicals in, in response to these emotions. Whether the emotions are good or bad, um, these chemical releases are similar to the release that takes place during other addictive behaviors when taking part in uh, ingesting substances or smoking or taking drugs. It's kind of the same uh, chemical release in our brain. So just like you can get addicted to smoking and drugs, 
It's the same thing with our emotions. We get addicted to them because our brain craves what's familiar to it. And it craves those chemical releases that take part in our brain. So people can become dependent on experiencing a certain emotion for comfort, relief, distraction, satisfaction, or even relief. So that's very important to know that this kind of happens behind the scenes. And we're not really aware that we're doing this. But when we're looking for comfort, relief, distraction, or satisfaction, um, we're creating some kind of coping mechanism to help us feel better. Sometimes the emotion can lead us to negative tendencies, uh, like I mentioned, such as anger, frustration, grumpiness, shutting down, uh, panic, and most common that we experience is anxiety. And it seems counterintuitive and counterproductive for us to be creating anxiety or frustration or anger to make us feel uh, more comfort or have more relief. But it's interesting. It's, it's that coping me mechanism, that way of covering it up and almost overcompensating for something. And it gives us some under a kind of hidden sense of satisfaction or power, false power. And it's really this counterintuitive sequence that's that's going on. And I think we can all agree uh, that when we are in these states, we don't make the best decisions. We might have inappropriate behaviors that don't align with our true selves, our morals and values. It's difficult to be productive or mentally sharp. And it can have a negative impact on our relationships because we're not showing up as our true true self, you know. We're ran by that egotistical state, which isn't really us. We're just getting swept away by emotions and we're reacting to certain situations, not based on how we actually want to show up, but how we're triggered and just emotionally ran. So we get so focused and consumed in our problems and struggles when that happens. We get so tunnel visioned that we just become emotional um, to what's going on, to what's our problems, and we don't really have uh, regards for other people when we're in those moments. Therefore, it can have a massive hindrance on our relationships. So it's important to know that emotional addic addiction, in essence, gets created the same way any of our habits are created. So think about how habits are made. We keep repeating the same emotional response over and over until it becomes second nature and becomes our natural default response. Our brain will tell us to feel a certain way without us being conscious of it and we will respond to a variety of triggers with a default emotional response. Over time after being repeated enough times, just like a habit, those feelings we create become the baseline for how we respond to the world. So we tend to gravitate to one or two main default emotions. Uh, example could be uh, if we become grumpy or angry when you're uncertain and even though those emotions don't serve you there might be a sense of calm satisfaction or comfort that you receive from it and our brain gets that coping mechanism and releases those chemicals that it's looking for even if the emotions and pursuing actions are not beneficial 
So we get this false sense of calm or satisfaction from acting a certain way. And in turn, our brain interprets that as a positive thing. It's getting that chemical release and it's saying, okay, you're in power. You're good here. You know, you're not overwhelmed. You, you're being grumpy and you're being aggressive and you're being angry. That's good. That's, you're getting that release. You're getting that fix. You're getting that coping mechanism. But in turn, that's really actually could be putting a massive, uh, hindrance on your relationships and and the people you're surrounding yourself with and just what you're generally creating in the world it's probably not going to be uh aligned with a positive intention and and create a positive outcome so these bursts of reactions tend to get repeated over and over and over again until what started as a mood you know you were you were moody a couple times the first few times you did it and now you repeat it, and now all of a sudden that's turning into a temperament. You know, that's happening more often and more often because our brain's getting that quick hit, that chemical release. It wants more and more. And you tend to do this and act and release these same chemicals to create the same feeling, to create those emotions within yourself. And now all of a sudden, eventually that turns into a personality trait. Now you find yourself being more grumpy or more angry or whatever chemicals you're releasing to, to, to create the certain type of, of emotions. And the more it gets repeated, the stronger the neural pathway will get formed and it will be the least amount of energy or work for a brain to choose to act in, to release those chemicals to make us act in regards to those emotional states. So we'll keep automatically responding in the same ways. It's just a vicious cycle and we keep repeating it because it's the easiest thing for our brain to latch onto. And it's just an instant trigger. We don't have to think or spend energy how to feel. We don't have to process that. It just happens automatically. But because we've been angry so often or we've been so grumpy so often, it's just the automatic default state. Those neural pathways are hardwired because we repeated it so often just like a habit if you do it enough and enough and enough that habit will stick it's the same way as feeling emotions and you'll feel the the same familiar ways more and more and more until that's how you feel all the time and now all of a sudden that mood turns into a temperament and now you have this personality trait that's aligned with a negative emotion so it's a very dangerous addiction um so my story uh my triggers are when I have a lot on the go. And the way I am recently, I find myself battling against overwhelm is to be more closed off and more grumpy. And if you've heard previous podcasts, that was the work I really, really dove into to change myself at the start of my transformation and my journey. You know, and I really dove in 100%. I started to reprogram my brain and started to reprogram my neural pathways and started thinking and feeling and acting in different ways. And it was quite the process. And as I've kind of let that slip because I got complacent with it and I said, okay, I'm good. And now all of a sudden I get really busy and start to get a bit overwhelmed with all the work I'm taking on and my full-time job and all the other side projects. Um, you know, I, I stopped putting so much focus on on that work and kind of let it slide but that's still in the background that's still my default fallback programming system um, if I'm not working to actively change that 
So I haven't been working to actively change that. Therefore, it's reverting back to that old system. I am in a relapse. I'm relapsing just like a, a drug addict or just like someone who's addicted to a substance. You know, that's always going to be underlying. You have to continually work to go against that. And, and if you, you know, if you taste that substance again or you just dabble back into it, it it'll kind of rope you in. It knows it's familiar. It'll release those brain chemicals, which your brain craves. And, and, and it'll want to revert back to those easy, same familiar patterns. And I find myself going through this right now. I find myself having so much on my mind and I'm just showing up by almost being closed off, grumpy. I just want to get to work. Let me focus on this. And I'm not being, I'm not consciously, um, working to avoid that relapse. And I'm not doing enough work to overcome that default programming. So how do we break the emotional addiction? And I'm talking to myself as well here. And I actively um, am working on this. And just like anything I like to apply or when I'm trying to apply something in my life, it needs to be taken action with absolute dedicated application, dedication and consistency, as well as acknowledgement and acceptance of where we're at. So step one, a realistic, we need to have a realistic and honest view of how our emotions dictate our behavior and decision making abilities. So we have to really break this down, be honest with ourselves. You know, what's going on with my emotions? How am I showing up? How am I emotionally reacting in my day-to-day -day life, especially around the people I spend the most time with? So the goal here is to break the habit of experiencing a trigger, then feeling a certain way, reacting in the same way, and then justifying those reactions. So we all have triggers in our life, triggers that set us off, triggers that, that probe those negative emotions that want to come out in us. We all have that to some certain extent. So we need to break the habit of repeating the cycle. So we need to interrupt once we feel that trigger or sense that trigger. We don't want to jump into feeling that certain way and reacting the same way. And then justifying those actions because that's that's the vicious cycle cycle that tends to happen and in order to break this we must recognize our vulnerability to become overwhelmed and understand that our feelings are dictating our actions so we have to be aware that you know our actions are being drived by the way we feel so we need to understand what we're feeling why we're feeling and how to change this so this, is, this can be a very difficult step, especially if we haven't done a lot of emotional work on ourselves, especially if this is something new. This is a very difficult first step and often hard to do on our own. And sometimes we might need a, a well-respected friend or family member to give us an evaluation or say, you know, if you think you might be struggling somewhere, say, hey, how am I, you know, what, what do you see are my triggers? When do I tend to act a certain way and, and just help to like, be curious as to what your triggers are and what kind of emotions those triggers probe. And over time with dedicated practice and continual feedback, the emotional addict can exist or can, can exit any denial, entitlement or 
egocentric actions that come from the emotional self-centered impulses. But this step of acceptance can be such an easier pill to swallow the more we practice the next step, step two and three, which are self-regulation and self-soothing methods. And before diving into this, I'm not coming at this from an attacking standpoint. Again, I'm speaking to myself here because this is an area which I'm actively working on as well. And everything I'm saying here, I will be really trying to implement in my life and following these steps because it's something I find myself um, struggling with at this moment. And all these steps, this is research that I do to help myself um, learn all these techniques, have the awareness of really what's going on, implement it in my life, and hopefully to share this knowledge that anyone else who might be in the same situation can implement in their life. So remember, you're not a bad person, and I'm not a bad person or wrong for having an emotional addiction. Certain circumstances have led us to unconsciously form these coping mechanisms. So remember, we're not really aware that we're doing this. We're not doing this to harm other people. Well, probably not most of us, hopefully not. This is just something that's happened on a subconscious level without us really being aware of it to help us cope with the difficult circumstances and life situations that get given to us on a regular basis. And we're not actively doing this to hurt others or to be mean or to be grumpy or to be rude. But what we do, we do need to take ownership for it and we do need to take the right actions to mitigate it. That is on us to do. So step two, becoming more self-regulated. This means to be able to gain control of our brain and neurological functioning. So in essence, we need to be able to zoom out, look at the bigger picture, look at the delayed gratification. You know, what are the pain and pleasures of this? You know, if I act this certain way, what pain will this bring me? Or that delayed gratification, what pleasure can I receive if I go against the grain and act a different way? And this is done through awareness and the ability to zoom out in the moment. And this is, you know, awareness is the biggest step in this point. Because if we're not aware of what we're doing, we don't even stand a chance. But with the awareness, we have enough awareness over and over again. We can hopefully be able to zoom out in those moments and just take a second, take, take a breath before we're going to react and say, oh man, what is what kind of consequences is this going to bring me if I react emotionally in this event? Or what if I just look at the bigger picture here? What if I can zoom out and what pleasures and what good can this bring me if I go the other way and act against what my emotional instinctive reaction is going to be? And an amazing way to do this, as I always say, is meditation and visualization to reprogram our our hardwired neural pathways. So they're so hardwired, especially if we've had this emotional addiction for many years of our life. We need to begin to form new neural pathways. We need to break that habit, cut off that easy flow circulating chemical release that always 
happens on a day-to-day basis and we need to start forming new neural pathways and new ways of thinking. And that's a very powerful way of doing that is when we're sitting still in silence and connecting to our own true self through deep meditative states and visualizations and picturing how we want to show up, playing that over in our mind's eye, um, you know, playing over ourself getting triggered. Step one is understand what our triggers are, have the awareness and ownership of, hey, this is what's going on. These are what my triggers are and this is how I act. Now, once you have that awareness, you can step into this self-regulated step two and really visualize, okay, when I get triggered next time, this is a way I can act. Instead of just hoping that it magically unfolds that way, now you have a game plan. You've played it over in your mind. You've visualized it. You picture it. You picture yourself thinking and acting and feeling in a new way. And in your visual, you actually see it and you actually feel it. You don't need to experience this in the physical realm to have the same impact on your brain and release those same chemicals and build those neural pathways. This can all be done in a visualization and in that kind of calm state. You don't need to actually physically experience it. And that's the beauty of it because you can get these practices and you can get these reps in where it's a lot easier when it's just you because many times our triggers can involve other people or other people saying something to us. But this is like a little rehearsal. This is practice. You know, nobody gets good at things unless they practice them. So this is the playing field. This is the practice area where we can actively just be with ourselves to go over get some reps in of how we want to show up and how we want to reprogram and and wire our our brains in a different way and we must mature in self-control temperance and humility our own feelings are important however the feelings and needs of others must play a role in our self-management, compassion, and the way we show up on a day-to-day basis. So this just means to take others' opinions and other people's emotions and feelings into the picture. Um, because if we're just self-centered and we're only caring for ourselves, we're not going to really care or have the motivation to change this. You know, I didn't have the motivation to change this within myself until I got together with Jess. And it was something that really bothered her. It wasn't necessarily just bothering me. And it was just a selfish act for me not to change this because it was negatively affecting Jess. And, and then that negatively affected our relationship. So it, it, we really need to take that ownership and other people's feelings into consideration. Um, so step three, implementing self-soothing methods. And this is the ability to calm ourselves in the moment because usually those triggers which jab those emotional sensitivities, um, we need some kind of self-soothing method. Um, and this can include breathing, especially diaphragmatic breathing, really getting to the full depths of our diaphragm fully in fully out there's so many teachings on youtube you know you can search wim hof breathing search diaphragmatic breathing watch a couple videos and they'll run through how to actively do this and even that's just good practice to to bring an immediate sense of calm into our life and even if we don't have the time to really go into some deep breathing even just actively taking one 
full breath, when we're in the heat, about to get heated, when we experience that trigger, now we'll have the awareness to understand what goes on when that trigger probes us. And if we have the time just to take that one breath, that could be the that could be that one little tool or tactic that gives us enough time to think about, you know, that that pain and pleasure, that delayed gratification. What could be? What could be better if I act a different way? If I act against what my emotional impulse is wanting me to do? Um, another self-soothing method, again, meditation, or even just sitting still and being quiet with yourself, with the lights off, sitting up, having calm music on, implementing daily. Um, habits of that bring a sense of calm and ease into our life are so powerful, especially in the busy, chaotic uh, media lifestyle that we all live in. Um, it's such a fast-paced environment that we that we all take in, and we take in so much sensory input that is out of our control. It's so important for us to put our own input on what we want to be thinking about and the pictures and visualizations that we want to create, not what other external sources and media and other people are telling us to live. You know, we need to be in control of our lives for what we want. And yes, isolation, taking that time for ourselves. Another big one is self-talk. It's amazing uh, the conversations that happen in our mind when we're not even, most of the time, we're not even aware of it. We're not even aware of what our thoughts are doing, what our mind is saying, but it's a practice um, and can be a self-soothing method if we learn to change the dialogue in our heads. At least, you know, we start, start small, start with a couple times a day. Set reminders in the morning. Have a have a great conversation with yourself in the morning and right before bed until it becomes more of a habit and you're able to do this on a continual basis in in all like everyday situations. I actively work on this every day about having uh, good mind self talk that calms me down. That you know reinforces my values. That brings me calm. That brings me the confidence that I need to show up in my day-to-day life. And that takes work. Again, that takes repetition and practice to be able to do that, not just to go along with whatever random thoughts are in our mind, because then we don't have control again. And another self-soothing method could be putting little reminder notes in places you usually get triggered. So if this is by your work phone or this is by your computer screen or even right at, right at the front door when you walk in from work, if you're putting little reminder notes, I have reminder work notes everywhere in my work van and my work desk, you know, all these places where I can normally get triggered to help remind me. I like, write little phrases, you know, release tension, set intention, breathe, visualize, no pressure, relax. And surrender the process. I'm just reading one that's right in front of me at my at my desk now. I just have them all over. Just little trigger notes that can be little reminders of self-soothing methods. Uh, and step four, care for yourself in a holistic way. And I will always preach this. It's so important to get every aspect of our life in working properly for us. And that's our mind, our body, our spirit. We need to have the proper mental input and what we are absorbing, be aware of that input, as I've mentioned. Our body, we need to have movement. We need to move that stored energy uh, that can be um, 
keeping us tense and and releasing the right endorphins and giving us that positive uplifting life energy when we're when we're moving and when we're active um and our spirit having the alignment to our true self our core values and our beliefs knowing who we are on a deep level not listening to how we should be living and living our lives based on external sensory inputs so we need to really highlight and focus on how you want to show up and that that's really done in a holistic way through our mind body and spirit so we really need to take care of that and the last step step five is patience and support so reprogramming your brain after potentially decades and years and years of acting the same way will take time and effort so some support from our close friends or family or coworkers or a coach could be massively beneficial. Sometimes it's hard for us to do this, to go on this journey alone, to go on this journey of transformation. We might have the awareness, we might know what to do, or we might know what we should do. Yes, that's good to have that awareness, but we need to take action, consistent, dedicated action on this. And that involves patience. And many times that involves support. So wrapping all this up, dealing with life's challenges and circumstances requires continual development of humility, realization of where we are at and how we respond, growth in compassion for others, self-control and internal spiritual maturity in order for us to minimize our entitlement and self-absorption. So remember the five steps, a realistic, honest view of how our emotions are dictating our behavior and decision-making abilities and what our triggers are, the ability to self-regulate, having self-soothing methods, caring for yourself in a holistic way, and having the patience and proper support in order to take on this journey. And it's time to acknowledge our emotional addictions in order to live a full life where we are not bound to automatic reactions, a life where we are in control, aligned to our true self, where we can be most productive and thrive in our relationships. Each and every one of us has the ability to overcome our addictions. And when we do, we will surrender our average life. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have an amazing day. Take care. See ya.